Hello, everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. Welcome back to the Forever Marriage Podcast. I'm Emily Lavender, and we are in Season 3, talking about what it looks like to finish well. So in this episode, which is Episode 11... We're going to be talking about hedges of protection. Um, we have already in season two addressed some hedges of protection, and that's in episode 12 and 13 of season two. We also recorded or not recorded, but posted a blog post on hedges of protection. So we'll link all of those in the show notes, but we're going to kind of continue that conversation in today's episode and expound on some of those things. Um, so first, Scott and Dawn, welcome to the table. I'm glad y'all are here. That, uh- I don't know why that always makes me laugh when Emily welcomes us to the welcomes us to the table because she's being hospitable, hospitable and kind as Emily is. <laughs> well, in the podcast, like a talk show, it is. Yeah, it is. Bit. I mean, kind of like a talk show. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's just because we talk on the show. What, what's another? Yeah, no, it's good. I think I don't think there's another. I mean, Glad we're, si- we're sitting why. at the table, so it I mean, Scott giggle to be invited to the table. Make you giggle. So this uh, this episode, we're going to take sort of a different um, turn as we kind of talk about these boundaries or hedges of protection. If you refer to the episodes that Emily talked about just a minute ago or read the blog post, you can see that really takes more of the form of a teaching. So in other words, really the boundaries that Scott and I have kind of put in place that we think are kind of are effective But today we want to make sort of a shift into a coaching realm where we're going to talk about some areas of our lives, some areas of marriage that we hope that you guys will develop some of your own boundaries or hedges of protection in. And we're going to kind of coach you on how to do that. As I've been thinking and praying about this particular session, you know, in in thinking about organizations or companies that develop their own policies and procedures really to protect themselves, to give some healthy guidelines and for their employees and and just protections in place. I thought that's a good way to kind of think about what we're talking about today is what particular baby policies or procedures that married couples can develop for themselves really to protect their protect their union and to protect their families and to um, just to give them some general guidelines to think about and talk about in, in areas. And certainly it comes from our experience of working with couples and even in our own marriage of where uh, couples or even we didn't think about them in time. Mm. It was after the fact, after something had gone sideways, then we had to think about, well, maybe we should have done this or maybe we should put that in place. And it's much more difficult to do that after something has gotten sideways than if you just go ahead and talk about those things now. One of the pushbacks we get from people when we're talking about boundaries of protection is there's a thing inside of us that says, I shouldn't have to do that. You know, we should already we shouldn't have to do that. That feels restrictive. We trust each other. We trust each other. We even have to do that. That's exactly the reason why we do it, because we trust each other and we want to protect it. You put security passwords on everything. You you know, you lock your doors at night. You lock your car. You you secure everything that has a value to you. And this is really no different. These conversations are no different. So today we're going to talk about some areas 
uh, broken, we've broken them down into categories. And you may, as you're talking about this, come up with some of your own categories that you want to talk about, depending on what your life is like right now, what life stage you're in, all of that, that you want to talk through some policies and procedures that are good in these particular areas. So I'm going to let Scott start just talking about um, one that and kind of build on what we have talked about before and just building a relational policy. Yeah. So as you're thinking through this and M's going to post the some of this and we may add some more to it later on into the show notes. Uh, just some things to begin thinking about uh, as you're looking at your relationship, specifically you and your spouse couple of questions that we want you to be thinking through is this one. First question is simply this. How are we going to prioritize our relationship? Okay. In other words, are we going to make our relationship a priority over our children, our extended family, our church family, or anyone else for that matter? Uh, What is the priority of this relationship going to be? Are we going to prioritize other things and other people over us and I'm kind of showing my cards here when what I'm about to say and we're going to give each other the leftovers or are we going to give our best selves to one another so that's one thing I want you to begin thinking about what's the priority we're going to give to this relationship and practically speaking you know how have we done that so if you were to say if I were to say to you okay if if we say, yes, we want to make our relationship a priority, and what are some ways that you feel like we've practically done that? Well, couple through the years, the one we picked up from our friends um, in from college is what we do with the, what we call, they call the field trip Friday. Mm-hmm. It's Friday is our day off. Friday and Saturday is our weekends. And Sunday is a work day for us. And so on Fridays, when we can, it's not every Friday because that's just not life, but on the Fridays that we have bandwidth and time, we tr- we try to carve it out to do some fun things. It might be going up to uh, Mount Yona, hiking up to right. the top and having a snack lunch at the top of that, or it it it's it's a number of different things that we have done through the years, but it's just time for us to focus on us. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is, I mean, we we've joked about it through the years is, okay, we're going to prioritize our relationship. You and I have been to Hawaii uh, without our children. We've been to park city, Utah without our children. We've been to, uh, the Bahamas without our children, much of which they bemoaned when right. we did it because it's like, yo, go to all the fun places without us. Right. And we're like, we're, you're right. And there's intentionality behind that. Right. We're prioritizing us over y'all mm-hmm. because y'all, well, I was about to say y'all will one day be gone, but <laughs> they, <laughs> they, keep they coming never back. really are gone. Like there's a weird kids. thing about it. I know. So. Uh, but we, reality says our children are with us for a period of time. Then they're going to be gone. Yeah. We're going to be Lord willing with one another till death do us part. That's right. Or you kill me. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I haven't felt like that in a long time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, if you don't know what that statement means, you need to go back and listen to previous episodes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to kill you. I didn't want that responsibility. I just wanted the Lord to do it. That's right. Um, so you can see as we're kind of talking through these that we want you to not just make 
not just make a broad statement about something. We want you to get get some things. Uh, we want you to make some measurable, realistic, mm-hmm. and specific plans yeah. Yeah. and and policies and procedures in these areas, mm-hmm. so that you can really have something tangible that you can talk about. And we just find that when you make these things measurable, realistic, and specific, you're much more likely to accomplish mm-hmm. them and to be able to. Put them into practice in your in your relationship. Now you might put make a plan. We want you to work that plan, and it might need to be tweaked. But at least you can hear from Scott's examples. We want those to be just like that, measurable, realistic, and specific in each one of these categories that we're talking about. Yeah. The second one we want you to think about is what's our financial policy going to be. For instance, anytime we're working with a couple premaritally, when we get to usually this is about session four uh, of the premarital process, we'll we'll talk about policies, financial ideas, and usually, candidly, guys, when we're working with a couple premaritally, finances is one of the last pieces of the puzzle that they're thinking about because they just don't know. But here's one of the questions that we will often ask is what amount of money are you comfortable with your spouse spending without first talking to you? And listen, we have learned over the years, this is a relative question relative to the couple. If you'd asked me and Dawn 35 years ago, it probably could not have been more than $25. And I would have freaked out or you would have freaked out if we spent. I remember when we asked this of one couple one year. Oh, my gosh. And I tried not to drop my jaw, but we asked and they looked at us. And without blinking, they both said probably Mm $10,000. Yeah. And Scott and I were like, oh, I'm like, I, I can't I even can't think it. That. I can't fathom no. <laughs> that you would spend ten thousand dollars without talking to me, and I would be okay with it. Right? Uh, yeah. So that ain't gonna happen. I, let, let me just say, I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, okay. That's that's not what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> no, we I, we I need agree. to bring it down a little. Yeah, bit. I agree. <laughs> Another question is: Are you both fully aware of your financial status? In other words, what's coming in? What's going out? Do we have more month at the end of the money or do we have more money at the end of the month? Um, Here's the sad thing that we do find with couples. Usually it's pretty normal and I don't think it's good that usually just one partner has an idea of what's going on financially. Right. And the other one, it's not that they're, well, they're often just oblivious to it, you know, so we we think it's a good policy. We're just encouraging you that you both know what's going on. Here's another one. Are, are we going to give and how are we going to give? Are we going to tithe to the local church? Are we going to give to charitable organizations? What percentage? How are we going to do it? Um, you know, what, what's that? Do you even believe in the tithe? You know, Mm -hmm. do you know what the tithe is? Um, so that's, that's something to be thinking about. You know, Scott and I've been working with a couple of young couples different and they don't even know each other, but they, um, and I noticed just in the last couple of sessions that we had with each one of these couples, they were, they were both talking about their student debt that they are bringing into the marriage and the the sadness that they have because they have a desire to be generous 
and that limits them from being generous. And I honestly, I was impressed. I thought, okay, these are young, these are young couples who have this heart desire to be generous and they're seeing where their debt or their student loan is keeping them from that, which they're, they both seem to be really, you know, um, equipped and ready to get that debt taken care of and whatever. But I was really thankful to see generosity in the next generation that's coming along behind us, um, that there's this hunger and a desire to be able to bless and to give and that kind of thing. And so, for whoever's listening to us, I think if you've got that heart of generosity, this is a great question to ask each other. You know, where can we be generous with our finances? What, you know, what kind of giving do we want to be a part of? Because I know that it also enriches your relationship and you can never outgive the Lord. You know, when you're being generous, um, then he definitely comes along and makes up for all of that to bless. But I was particularly struck by that this week, just two separate young couples getting ready to be married with that desire to be generous was very cool. Yeah. Just as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking Proverbs, Solomon says this in Proverbs eleven twenty five, the generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. And, and I do see that in the millennial generation and Gen Z that's coming behind them. Um, this couple that you're referring to just it's not about we want to be debt free so we can hoard all of right, our money that's it's right. we want to be free of debt so we can be generous with what god has given us to mm-hmm. steward and i th- i think that's honoring mm-hmm. you know they're they're alluding to it you know when you and i married <laughs> golly this is this is when we came into marriage december 19th 1987 I had $4,225 in student loans. Mm -hmm. You had none. Mm -hmm. And that was our, we had that debt together. And on December 19th, my debt became our debt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we think about that, uh, Solomon says it this way in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. And that's one thing that we do want to encourage is, you know, how are we going to get free like these couples are talking about as free as possible, like Dave Ramsey refers to, you know, gazelle like intensity to become free of debt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so our next category um, is a social media policy. I feel like social media has really just changed the landscape of relationships dramatically um and it is really changed how we interact with one another how we communicate with one another what we think about each other in in that realm the people that we're friends with we know that really i would say social media to me is like a house of mirrors there's just nothing is really as it seems all the time so we, you know, we want to encourage couples to think about their social media policy. How much time are you spending on social media and is it good and healthy for us? Because when you spend, a, you know, when, when you spend a lot of time on there and you're looking at these pictures of families in the, in the golden hour, out in a field, holding hands, you know, skipping along with their matching 
outfits and all of that, that it you tend to think, look at that family, look how beautiful they've got it all together. They can afford to have, you know, golden hour pictures made with a professional photographer or, you know, look at them. They're on another trip. Why can't we ever? So when you start to spend a lot of time there, it can feed some of the discontentment or even if you're facing challenges, let's let's look back. You know, you're trying to get out of debt, but you're on social media a lot to see whatever other people are doing. And it feeds the difficulty that and that you might be experiencing in another area trying to do right. But the discontentment and waiting is uh, social media is not helping you wait well. Um, so thinking about how much time do we spend on social media and is it good for us individually? Yeah. Another question I would talk about is, do we have access to one another's social media accounts or do you have accounts that I know nothing about? Or, you know, we, we have come across people that, um, have aliases mm-hmm. you know, and, and they, they post things through these alias accounts. So mm-hmm. do we have that? What kind of posting ex- is acceptable to the two of us? Yeah, that's right. Um, and it's strange to have to ask that, but you know, when we are posting things or sometimes, you know, Scott and I will read there the, when someone's posting and we know that there's a hidden message behind that posting. It's a it's a you know, it's a silent dig or it's an underhanded way of saying something negative about your partner or something negative about somebody else. Maybe you're not comfortable it for your spouse to post political posting or you're not comfortable with your spouse um, posting opinions, um, or maybe, you, but there, there's, it's good and wise to talk about the kind of posting that's acceptable to you both and to be able to come to an agreement about those things together. Are you comfortable posting pictures of your children? Uh, we're moving, you know, we definitely are in that age where, um, um, Terrible things can happen with just the pictures that are posted of children. So we want you both to have a, an, an idea about what kind of pictures are acceptable to be posted of your children or acceptable pictures of yourselves to be posted. Well, I think, say, you know, you and I have been talking about this recently, just couples that we have worked with that uh, just not postings on social media, but just things that they Couples will send to one another right. nude pictures of themselves to their spouse. Right. And you, you, we were processing this recently. You and I were. Uh, and I don't know if I'm old school on this, hon, or what, but I'm like, one, I, don't, I just don't want to take the risk of sending something. Oh, like my that. Lord. I, just, I cannot. I, let me just say this. <laughs> I can't even take a decent selfie. That's where are yes, right. <laughs> there ain't nothing else that's no, gonna be taking a picture right. of, I can tell that's you right. that. Yeah. It would be So just the the horrible. idea I just that. You gotta think about that. Are we are we gonna send one another things like that? Are we comfortable with that? Or cause once it's out there, it's out there. You that's never right. know what's gonna happen. That's right. You don't know who's seeing it. I don't. You don't. And I've 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 heard of enough accidental sins. Yes. To somebody that it didn't need to go to. Yeah. Um. And I know that it's crazy to kind of think about these things, but it is and laughable. It's funny to some degree between the between us. I mean, we can laugh about these things, but 
But it's not funny because some very real things have happened right. that were very difficult for marriages to come through yeah. in this age of technology. So maybe not just a social media policy, but what's our technology policy going to be here? Um, and be serious about how you think through these things so that your relationship can be protected. This final policy we're going to talk about, this is becoming more and more um, prevalent, you know, as, as the church uh, here in the States and South tends to lag behind most other places in the country and the the world for that matter. But I, we, we're seeing more and more, a prevalence of alcohol, uh, mm-hmm. even within the church. Where, mm-hmm. You know, we came to Lakewood in the 2000s. It was a, a, a taboo kind right. of thing. But millennials, Gen Z are, are a lot more comfortable, you know, with that. So we're seeing already, okay, what what is going to be our policy as a couple, as mm-hmm. a family, as followers of Christ with regard to alcohol? Mm-hmm. Now, you and I have worked with couples maybe where – he comes from an alcoholic background and he, his dad was an alcoholic and he has zero tolerance. It's like mm-hmm. none. You're not right. going to drink a glass of wine at a wedding. We're not doing anything. You're not going to drink a margarita at on Cinco de Mayo. Nothing. There's, and you know, and so we have to, we have to talk through that. What is going to be our policy with regard to alcohol? Are we going to adapt a zero tolerance policy to honor one another mm-hmm. or the struggles from our family past, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important for us to really consider our spouse in this matter. Yeah. Even though we might have the freedom, if there's issues with our spouse, then it's important for us to honor them. Mm-hmm. When we talk, you know, continually about creating a culture of honor in your home and in your marriage where you honor one another and you consider them as more important than yourselves, this particular issue um, carries a lot of weight in some marriages because exactly of what you said. When people grow up or people have had, uh, they have been so affected by the abuse of alcohol that it is so problematic for them, then the the person who maybe hasn't had that experience, will it be a sacrifice? Yes, but it's a sacrifice of love. And that's what we sign up for when we come together for marriages. We do we do sign up to sacrificially love each other. And it might be in this matter to regard the other person's thoughts about this as more important than their than our own. And I'm going to honor it so, so as not to add any more pain to your life than alcohol has already caused. Right. Um, another thing, another question to ask is maybe in that vein, but maybe if you don't necessarily have a problem because of that, where you're not going to have a zero tolerance, let's just talk about that. But is there anything regarding me and alcohol that makes you uncomfortable? So, you know, do I, you know, is my level of consumption worrisome to you? Um, what am I like when I've had a certain level? Is that, does that make you uncomfortable? You know, what is it? Is there anything and being ready to receive that? Is there anything about me and alcohol that makes you uncomfortable? Because this is what we know is that um, at a certain point, alcohol is going to make you do what you wouldn't normally have done. It's going to make you say what you wouldn't normally have said. Yeah. Dudes, for some reason, dudes tend to either get violent or sexual when mm. they're in, inebriated mm-hmm. and uh so you just got to know what what's the limit if you are going to have 
you're going to be tolerant. You're not going to have a zero tolerance uh, policy. But if we are going to partake, what are the limits? And do I know my limits? Do I know uh, when I've I've been overserved? That's right. And I don't even love that word overserved because that takes the responsibility off of the person who is drinking. Yeah, that's right. And if you're going to drink, you're responsible. Yeah. And so asking that question, is there anything that makes you uncomfortable? Because you, you might not know what you're, you don't know exactly what you're like once you reach a two drink limit or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if somebody observing you, your spouse in particular is uncomfortable with that, you need to be ready and willing to hear it and listen to it. Um, and, also a question of who are we comfortable drinking around, mm-hmm. um, you know, as followers of Christ. And we want to live in a manner worthy of the Lord. We want to live in such a way that doesn't bring shame or reproach on our family, on our church family. Um, you know, careful to think about our reputation. And I'm, some of you may be pushing back and thinking, I don't care what people think, but but you do. You do. You think you don't, but you really do. And it's important, again, to consider other people as more important than ourselves in this matter. Who are we comfortable having a a drink around? Mm -hmm. How will it will it cause them to stumble? Um, Will it will they be offended by it? Uh, Will it make them terribly uncomfortable? It's just not worth Mm -hmm. putting those relationships ahead of that desire that we might have to have a glass of wine or a margarita or something like that in that moment in time. Yeah. So as we've gone through these from alcohol to social media, to finances, to relational, those are just some things we want you to begin thinking about if you haven't already in terms of policies, procedures, as Dawn said it on the outset uh, of what we want to do within this relationship to ensure the fidelity of it, that we're going to be able to finish well, setting up these protections around us, not because we don't trust one another, but because we want to guard the trust that we do have. Mm-hmm. So we'll post these in the show notes, some of these questions. We may add some more to it. Yeah, we'll we'll put together what we would like for you to be able to download as a worksheet mm-hmm. uh, so that you guys, and we'll leave some space for you because you might have another policy procedure that you want to cater to, to fix for your own relationship. Mm-hmm. It might be you in the workplace. Uh, I don't know. It could be, you know, several things that you might want to develop your own couple policy or family policy about and have these conversations together. We think a worksheet will be great for you to have just as a resource to, to talk through these things. Yeah. Yeah. So as we conclude this episode, we're going to come back. Uh, we're, we're in the series finish well. And in episode 12, what we're going to do in that is focus on having a focused life. What exactly is a focused life? How does it play out? What do we do about it? And we hope you'll join us then. 